Welcome to the Don't Die podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. Stop dying, Mike. Stop, stop dying, dying, Norwood. And Norwood, Norwood stop dying. Ooh. I will oblige. Too many, too many people. Too many people dying. We have my good friend and your great musician Norwood Fisher on with us tonight. We're going to talk about all that's going on in America. When you when there, when there's racial upheaval, you call Norwood Fisher for comment. <laughs> is that is that what it is? Is that the qualification? Well, well, I, and I, I can't speak for it, but we're going to talk about race relations a little bit. Norwood and I lived together from nineteen like what eighty six to like eighty nine. Yes, and didn't you think like race relations in America were? getting better and things the conversations we used to have usually i was pretty high on cocaine and drunk and you were pretty drunk and stoned yeah. but they were good conversations <laughs> about what it was Great. like to grow up white or what it's like to grow up black and, <laughs> and we had this i really didn't you believe like what was going on between you and i was gonna go on in america with everybody um you know what i probably made some public statements to that effect, like thinking that, you know, things were getting better on some level. It was a weird time, though. Reagan was president. I know. Right? I know. Like, looking back, it was like, what the fuck were we thinking? We <laughs> 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 were having a good time and projecting that onto the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah. We were covering. Yeah. We were covering Jay Tracy's Chapman yeah, songs. Yeah, was just what was going on. African American woman. We were having a ball. It was go- what it was. What was going on in Hollywood, but it wasn't going on in America. Hey, Mike, why is his mic not loud enough? Uh, he doesn't have any headphones. It's all right. Yeah, oh, I don't okay. have. I, I'm. Do I need to get closer. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. good. You look better too. <laughs> so, but no, I'm not even joking. I just felt like this is. Now we're going in it because you and I had some heavy conversations late at night when we were yeah. living together, right? Yeah. And and it, I just felt like the world is going to become like how how what was happening between us is going to happen in America. It's got to start happening. Then you had all these signs that it was happening: the Beastie Boys and NWA and all these kind of things reaching its zenith like around 1990, 91, and then the fucking Rodney King verdict. And then it was just like, oh, fucking shit, are you kidding me? (laughs) But during the Rodney King verdict, when that was called out, it was like now. I felt like the white people were just as outraged by the verdict as the black people were. Do you know what I'm saying? In, In some circles. I was just outraged. I wasn't rioting in some circles, but you know, like that's like you you find like actually a lot. Like I would have thought that, be, but again, it was like people that mostly people that we knew maybe had different ears, but in reality, a lot of white people looked at the video of Rodney King getting beat and went, "He must have deserved it." Yeah. Uh, and that's you know what I mean. That's the disconnect. Anybody that knows Rodney King knows how gentle I talked on another podcast. I was lucky enough to be friends with him the last five years or six years of his life. One of the most gentle, kind, sweet, funny, 
just gentle, kind. That's who he really is. And, and that's, that's what, what that's where that that's statement what, came from. Yeah. The, can't we all just yeah, get along? His, that, that yeah, statement that, that he said, why can't we all just get along? That's truly who Rodney King was. A kind, gentle soul trapped inside this racist, systemically hateful society. Okay. But, you know, Norwood had a, a, a great point is that's what the media that I was watching at the time said, yeah, but leading up to this. I mean, that's the line we were facing. Well, they're doing it now. They're doing it now. Well, he was running away. He was running. Here's the common sense of the newest outrageous, hideous murder in Atlanta is they, Norwood, I'm sure you've been in this situation with cops before. You're talking to them for 31 minutes. They have your driver's license. They haven't handcuffed you. They can't figure out. It's almost as if, and I've been in these situations where, and it's almost as if they're waiting for you to run so they can shoot you. Because <laughs> like, there's just all this stumble, bumbly shit that goes on. You know what I mean? They've had you out of the car. You've said you'll walk to your sister's. They have your car keys. They're going to impound your car. They've got your driver's license. If you run away, is it really that big of a deal? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> they know who yeah, you like are, really where you somewhere. live. They have your fucking car. These fucking police are unbelievable. It's unbelievable to me what happened in Atlanta the other night. And God forbid, Joe Biden's like, shoot him in the leg. Like, <laughs> 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 what? <laughs> yeah. Is that what he's saying? Yeah. You don't need to, yeah, no one should bring to. You don't need to use deadly force. You can just shoot him in the leg. <laughs> Ouch. God dang it. So, so but, I, you know, do you ever think about moving away from this country, Norwood? You know what? I've been asked that a lot, and uh, and no, no, I haven't because I, I actually I look at it like it's worth the battle. Okay, it's worth the battle. I, hey, let me just say this: I ain't been out to one protest. You know, I'm like, but I did that right in my life, like, right. Nelson Mandela, like, you know, we went and did sit-ins and march, you know, whatever, like, in, in times, and I'm, I, I, I'm like, I did not feel compelled to go out. You, These if kids killing it. If, if, the, if you watch the Chappelle story, he says, I yeah. don't mind being in the back seat. I don't mind. I don't need to talk. Have you seen the Chappelle thing, the 846? God, that was good. watched it the other day. Yeah. Did you see him? He's saying, what do you need me to talk for? These kids are talking just fine. Yep. Yeah, no, and they're, they're not they're, they're not taking token con- concessions. They're yep. like... They're, police they're reform. Like, we need no, police reform. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> like, yo, it's, it's not about a couple of bad cops. It's the system. It's, it's systemic within policing. It's systemic within the culture. Like, and... Right. And you know what? The most beautiful thing is, is that every protest I've seen is so incredibly diverse. Yep. Right. Like that's really it's like, oh, this this the the, the killings leading up to this, I'm going like, okay, somebody's trying to set it off. I was thinking that because white supremacists, like FBI keeps finding these white supremacist groups who <laughs> have these manifestos. <laughs> Like, they go off and kill a few people, and they got these manifestos, like, we're trying to start the race riot. 
We want an insurrection or what the fuck ever. <laughs> so, yeah. So I'm like, oh shit, like, you know, like Aubrey, right? Like is he's like I'm like, oh, these this is one of those things, and they want to set off a race riot. So but as the George Floyd moment began to progress, I'm like, and and people are protesting, white supremacists didn't show up. And when the protesters stormed the White House, it was white people. Yeah, exactly. And the next morning, Trump tweeted, MAGA rally at the White House tonight. (laughs) MAGA didn't show up to the White House. He was hiding in the basement. (laughs) Yeah. He went to the bunker. So So let's let's get let's just go through our history for 40 years now. So, yes, we met when Ronald Reagan was president in his first term. Who's that? (laughs) Then we lived through the second term of Ronald Reagan. That's when we lived together. Then Clinton comes. No, no, no. Bush. First Bush. Oh, first Bush. Right, right. Uh, Oh, yeah, I forget uh, about those four years. Yeah, those were only That's when I got arrested. That's when I got arrested for solicitation to kill the president. I forgot about that. I blocked that out of my mind. (laughs) Bob is on stage. You never heard that Norwood that story. Yeah, he knows it. He knows it. He was getting followed by the Secret Service with me. (laughs) Oh, what a good friend you are. (laughs) When I lived on Orange Drive, that's when the Secret Service was following me on Melrose. Bob in, uh, in a live in a live show had said somebody should kill the president. <laughs> no, I didn't say it like that. Mike was synopsizing. I was it was much more it was much more politically aware than that. Yeah, yeah I think I think it was more along the lines of if you if you did yeah if you did him, this you'd you get the respect famous. of our, our you'd get the respect of me and the rest of my band. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that, Norwood? I did not remember that. Me and the guy there was a rapper too, and he and I were on a showed a TV show together. He had a song called I'm a Motherfucking Bush Killer. Who is that? Ah, you remember that? You remember that I, rapper? He had I a... I, I, I gotta... You can't... When you're doing these Zoom calls, you can't Google shit because your phone is hooked up to this thing. You got yeah. a fucking, but you got a computer, there was a rapper... There's a rapper that got got um, indicted at the same time as me and he had a song I'm a Motherfucking Bush Killer. Uh, I forget who it was. You know, Ice T was just only a cop killer. We were right. risk killers. Right. <laughs> right? But the radicalness of that era, I think, had an influence on the culture. Then the culture just seemed to go dormant for like the last 10 years. I mean, I thought there would be riots when Donald King, when Donald Trump was elected king, actually, and nothing happened. People are like, oh, maybe he won't be that bad. You know, there's all these mitigating. But finally now, people are standing up. Young people are standing up and saying, you know what? And Dave Chappelle says it perfectly in his special. Enough. Fucking enough of this. And I believe it. I believe America will never be the same after this. Yeah, no. It's, I mean, you know, this generation, all ethnicities are standing together going, and they're, they're saying, we're not carrying this legacy into our future. Yeah. You know, like this has to stop. It's beautiful. So like when the police, when the government is rioting against the people and they're rioting against all the people united. Right? Looks, it's a bad photo op. <laughs> it's a bad photo op. 
we're gonna knock him down, old white man. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. I looked it up, Bob. It's a guy named Paris. Yeah, Paris. Bush, Bush Killer with an A. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm white. I didn't put the A on. <laughs> but so, no. What's our future? Like, I, I just feel like, I, same as you, like, and this, the same as Chappelle said. I've been to. I always give the Black Panther salute every by every protester I go by. I honk my horn and, yeah. and put my hand out like I saw in 1968 in the Olympics when I was a kid. But and a lot of the kids don't even know what that means. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but but I don't feel necessarily a part of it, though I'm a hundred percent supportive of it. Yeah. And and I'm older and I think like, hey, one I, I just get caught up in the the politics that I've seen for 40 years of my life. Like you can't, uh, my, like an old politician friend of mine said, you can't use negatives. He said, that's part of your guy's problem. Meaning the radical left. We always use negatives. We don't want something using, oh, I think it was Clinton said, use positive language. So when you, and so I always look through that prism of when, when there's a message being released by a, by a political movement, so defunding the police sounds like you're taking something away that, right. that, that white people who you're trying to get on your side might be scared of defunding the police. But if you say we're going to take the resources that we've put into militarizing the police department against its people of its community and put it into social programs, that's a positive way of saying it. When you say defund the police, it scares the shit out of suburban white people. It's just (laughs) too long. It's too long. It's too long of a statement. you got to shorten it up. No, I'm telling you, defund the police could fuck this whole thing up. But you're doing that by saying we're going to take the resources that it's militarized our police department. It looks like we're in Fallujah, not Claremont. I mean, literally, the Claremont Police Department, where I live, Norwood, has a tank. They, yeah. they get, right. you get, right. Like, you have a tank for what? For people like you, Bob, that have ideas <laughs> yeah. and thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> so. so, actually, it's just an economic thing. We had so much leftover material from the stupid Iraq war that they just started giving it away to police departments. Did you know that? That started... In the mid two thousands, right, militarizing I remember, I remember the police. If that was happening, being very frightened because another Bush was in office. Yeah, and that's and that's and, where we got the Bearcats and the and those no, the but remote the, control remember, tanks and shit. It was. I always look at what happened in America twenty or thirty years ago and how shocking it was, and then how normal it became. One of my favorite things is in the mid eighties, Ivan Boisky, this Wall Street guy, said, "Greed is good." And all of America said, fuck you. No, it's not. That's a horrible statement. 20 years later, the whole of America was dancing, saying, greed is good. Greed is good. (laughs) When Daryl Gates bought that battering ram to go after rock cocaine dealers, it was the most shocking thing to watch a tank go into a house in like, in in you know in somewhere in Linwood and just go crashing into a house because yeah. there might be what a few grams of cocaine in there <laughs> like what that's only enough for me and Anthony for a couple nights why are you right. breaking the house down <laughs> right <laughs> and, 
and and just the and everybody was aghast at that. Republicans and Democrats, whites and, and blacks. It was just like, what the fuck do we need a tank to bash through the side of a house for? Twenty years later, every police department in America has a tank to bash through the walls. Right. There might be cocaine in there. Yeah. <laughs> we so, there so the question certain- is, where are we going to be 20 years from now? Is this how America, is it going to be like this so divided and cancel culture and mean-spiritedness and crazy messaging where, you, where you're going to defund the police? That's a losing platform just by the language of it. Say we're going to take their resources and invest it into the community. Well, I know, I understand, <laughs> but, it's, but, but abolish the police and defund the police actually had the shock value enough to where they were listening when the compromise, something that sounded like a compromise came up, right? So that's why you have actually, there's action, right? There's police departments actually doing those where things does, right now. But Re- where does America really change? It changes in the homes. So those white kids on Hollywood Boulevard are going to go home to Northridge and go home to um, West LA and Los Feliz and their parents are going to hear that they're a part of defunding the police and that's going to make for a kind of a hard convincing, right? But if you use better language like, listen, the schools in, you know, Norwood, you and I are down in Watts. The schools in Watts are fucking horrible. We need to fix them. And we give half of the money of the L.A. budget to the police department. Let's give them two, uh, you know, a third less and invest into the schools. Let's invest into after school programs, uh, summer, summer nights, summer lights programs. Let's invest in children. That's that always wins in American politics. It always wins. Yeah, but but hey, the L- L.A. actually released, you know, what they are going to do with reallocating money. They, you know, like Minneapolis was first, and there's a bunch of departments all over the United States that are actually doing it. Not enough, but it's a, yeah, it's hundred. It's a, I heard it's a hundred and fifty million in L.A. Right. Which you know, yeah, it's it's a it's a start. Yeah, and, well, and I get my it. Only, my only, my only, this is the but this is like so so. There's a movement that maybe has like that Starbucks thing, right? Starbucks is like you can't wear Black Lives Matter <laughs> uh, pins or buttons or whatever. And or apparel, and, right. and overnight they change their stance. Right, a lot of a lot of places are, but that's just a token thing. Let's see if it lasts. No, no, but no, but but what what where what it what it says to me is what what I would hope that the movement would see is the power of their purse. So I I have been pondering. With, like before we got to this moment, because what I see, what I have seen is like the insanity that comes with the vast amounts of misinformation hmm. uh, all over the, the internet is like, you know, like, look, bro, have, do you have, do you know anybody that's a flat earther? 
Yeah, <laughs> they're totally convinced. Like, I, I know, I, I know a few people, right? <laughs> I know a few people, and some people might even be on the fence. They really shouldn't, be. Yeah. right? And and there's so there's these beliefs, there's, and like people with like really stuck in these belief systems. Well, we've discussed them on this show. I have two best friends who believe that the air is being sprayed with things that are brainwashing the people. Exactly. Keith so, and Pete. <laughs> right. So, right. So, so there's, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of beliefs out there. And, and it's, it's kind of like the American population is being radicalized. That's what I see. Against uh, each other and against yeah. people that doubt it and all that. Mm-hmm. Stuff. Yes, exactly. Like like far, far right and far, far left. Well, inevitably, the, the thing is economic justice, but we're not anywhere near tearing down the capitalist system. But we are near we are near tearing down the union police union's power. The, the blue wall, all that shit is going to come tumbling down over this. Right. But so, so, so look, Trump, Trump may, he may be voted out of office. He, there may, whether he gets a second term or not, one day he'll be done. Right. right. True. And we'll be left with his worshipers. Right. Like but the they were there. Who, Here's the thing. Don't you think they were there all along? He's just the lightning rod for them. Yes, like, absolutely. They were there. I've met, I've met them. We've met them on tour. They like your band. Yes. And then you talk to them for like 20, 30 minutes. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. You probably have some strange stories of guys that like Fishbone. And then you go hang out at their house. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. yeah, like, and, and dude, if you ever see my Facebook feed, like, it's insane with people who I'm like, you don't realize I'm in this band? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, we've been singing the same shit for fucking, you know, fucking 35 years. It's like, you know, I'm, we are the band that wrote a song called Subliminal Fascism. You, you're like, right. you're going to be pissed at me because I'm going like, I am anti-fascist. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Antifa is a problem. I fuck you. Or, or that it's a new idea. I, I like what you said though when you said the radicalization, man, because that's something we used or the media used when they were talking about people in far, far away lands, how they get radicalized. And the idea of people being radicalized and the, the fervor and that it's just the insanity. Of people that, like, we've talked about this for a a while, about how people I thought were intelligent, people I thought were thinking, feeling, loving, caring human beings. This is radicalized by misinformation and Trump. And and it's just, it's so, it's disheartening. But at the same time, I've seen, I've seen people come the other side. I've seen people come the other way that were on the fence. And I like I like where you're going to think. I mean, maybe you guys know a couple flat earthers, but if you turn on the internet, you'd think there's millions of them. And, and yeah, there's yeah. not. <laughs> where are they? It's the getting popular, man. It's getting very popular. And what is the whole 
what is <laughs> what is the conspiracy behind the flat Earth idea? They're lying to There's, us. No, about that everything? We're, we're, everything's flat, and there is a there is a dome over us, and a light that moves up above us that goes around in a circle, and that's the sun. No, yeah. nobody yes. believes look that. At, look at you, just look at the pictures. Sometimes you kind need of to a watch. Uh, it's called it's called <laughs> Behind the Curve on Netflix. It'll teach Has you everything you want to know. To Alaska, you can be up there, and it's sunny all day long, and you can well, that's see because that. that's where they like, keep that's where they you know keep what? the light. <laughs> they don't know I, no, where to no, put it. Nobody ever thought to just fucking go straight up and look. That's what we do. That's what we fucking do every day. We shoot a fucking yeah, rocket up and take some pictures. You can see the fucking things around, God well, damn it. They probably don't trust the rockets. Elon Musk, oh, yeah. he's a communist. Yeah, well, look at his name. Maybe it's easier but, to look at that so than it is about the real problem. Listen, it's not like ignorance is new to America. Ignorance has been here since Andrew Jackson. I don't know if you... The thing that Trump reminds me most of, not Nixon, not not George Wallace, he reminds me of Andrew Jackson. If you read about that, Andrew Jackson was this bullshit kind of guy who used the ignorance of this huge underserved base to elect him president, and then he threw a party for the people and they burned the White House down. Do you know this? Because they're all drunken, <laughs> idiot, ignorant people. I like you know it. this, Norwood? I, I missed that one. In, yeah, me too. He had, to, he had to flee out a window from his own supporters. <laughs> Was it just like a big party or something? Or yeah, just they like, got drunk for like three days and they wouldn't leave. It was just all his ignorant base, all like the Trump base. Sounds like a right? couple of fucking parties I've been to. But I think, I yeah. think they'll go. I think, <laughs> but I think the ignorant kind of kind of hateful people that you're saying are being radicalized i think we just need to put them back under their rock they were always no, no, un- that's they how were we always- got here yeah no, right. 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 just just out right. the shit man out the fucking right. shit like, but like, you can't we, you no, can't no, confront no, ignorance how do you confront ignorance you know this is all this listen. is this is not new this is all prison mentality this is all fucking shit that charles manson had fucking predicted yeah, Tra- when you, that's yeah. who i was yeah. thinking of norwood when you said wants to start a race ride i was like charlie that's, manson he's was been thinking saying of that. that all fucking year <laughs> yeah. that's, that's your fucking prison your american prison mentality you know what i mean and and like they want to bring it outside the walls, man. They want it, you know, that's where it lives. Us that's where it's them. born. Us and them, right? Well, look, and... my, where I'm going is like we have to we have to figure out. And I don't I don't know how to do it. There it it has to be like a, a conversation that's possible because I be, I believe in in you know reform. Yeah, like teachability. Like, teachability. like, like there's hardcore murderers that you know you can that find another way. They want they go to prison, and they get they get they find reformation. There's de-radicalization of Al Qaeda guys, right? Right. Like don't that so there's techniques. Oh, you've been a part of that actually. I'm just I'm thinking about our personal lives, not our political lives anymore. Yeah. You actually, friend of ours, became, you know, I don't know if you want to talk about it or not, but he became brainwashed by a cult. Yeah, you're, well, yeah. <laughs> but, hey, and wait, a part of that, because, okay, so the, the spirit, the conspiracy theory, hellhole. That's what yeah. all those, that's what all those all religious, all the religious was, cults was, are based on that. 
I was one of those, but I was, me and Kendall were reading the same shit. Like we were all sharing the same information. I went out there psychologically. I, I only, the only thing is I had the wherewithal not to believe what I think and to take what I was reading with a grain of salt. Okay, so this is it. Let's let's just cap for everyone. So there was this radical ideas of conspiracy in the late eight. Well, I guess it existed before that, but in the late eighties, early nineties, right? When was yeah. all that? Yeah, it was eighty nine when we started like going towards these books. And those books are and the books talked about what the great world, new world order, yeah. and Armageddon, and all that. Yes. Yes, yeah. conspiracy theories of all manners, but yes, and it was and it was right on time to follow like Iran Contra, right? Right. So we already had this gigantic distrust of government, and then you got Bush Senior talking about a new world order. Yes, right. So, Everybody forgets context, and then this, these people start propagating yeah. this idea that. We're living in a conspiracy world, and they're lying to us. And there's this, uh, you know, uh, whatever they're called, uh, the Knights of the of the Round Table, or yes, Knights, of, Knights of Templar. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. I was I was deep in it, me yep. and Kendall and a couple other people. But you didn't buy into it and go and go live on a farm and give up everything. <laughs> right, no. Because for some reason, I knew to take it all with a grain of salt. But in my mind, I was ultra fearful that it was true. You know, I was, I was, I was. I had a lot of fear. I had a lot of anger. And that it was true, right? That this was true. What you were reading? Yes, absolutely. I here's a, here's a little grain of salt from the other side. From the other side, I've never read that stuff. But I, with a grain of salt, I believe some of it's true. <laughs> no, no. So, <laughs> For sure. This is the best part, is that, like, once I pulled my head out of it, right? Like, so from 89 to, to 97, like, I was in it. And 87, 97, I pulled my head out of it. So since then, over the long arc of time, I've seen a shit ton of it come to reality. It wasn't all bullshit. Right. There's a gigantic portion of it that is total bullshit and only meant to stoke fear and create anger. Right. And, and that, 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 is the, mm -hmm. that is what that is the 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 genius of it all. Is but that what makes? Is, but how does the argument get made that we and this is several cults in America that that for instance we don't want to talk too personally about your situation because you ended up almost going to prison. Uh, let's talk about Waco. <laughs> all of a sudden, they say all these conspiracy facts. We need to go live on this property in Waco, Texas, and arm ourselves to the T's teeth because they're going to come and get us. And then you manifest that by by building this arsenal right right <laughs> and so what but i always wonder what, how do you how do you get people to go to the farm or go to waco or like that's the weird thing that i don't think i could ever be conned into that i'm either too cynical or i don't trust people enough but i could just never go okay i'm going to give up all my worldly because i believe everything you're saying I could believe everything you're saying in the in whatever conspiracy you want to believe or bring up, 
but I'm not going to just go off and follow you. I never understand that cult-like thing of like, I'm going to go follow this one guy. And then inevitably, Norwood, we've talked about this on this show many times, inevitably when you're in the cult, even if you go to the farm, whether it's, you know, and I have a friend that lived on Hawaii in a cult and, and, and uh, another friend that was in another cult and this cult situation that you were trapped in. So, so there's always inevitably within that cult system of my three friends that have been in them where the leader that you're following to the farm goes, I'm going to have sex with everybody. now." <laughs> 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 at that point, at that point, you got to go, I'm getting my shit and getting out of here. Every time they want to fuck my wife, I okay, got to go. <laughs> <laughs> no, stop go stop, stop judging correct. But, but <laughs> stop no, judging Koresh. He did it. He, he was fantastic at it. No, but I, there was another one in Hawaii. I'm not going to name it because it's a very close friend of mine was in it. But, oh, yeah, and, and Children of God in Huntington Beach. It's right. on and on. It always starts with the conspiracies and, and programming people. Then we're going to go live somewhere in this idealized Valhalla. And then inevitably there, whether it's Jim Jones or Waco or a million other ones, Inevitably, that leader goes, "Hey, I want to have sex with your wife." <laughs> like, yeah, but you know what, what, Bob? Remember we talked but about let this. Norwood talk. He was in it. What? 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 What happens at that point, Norwood? Oh well, no, no. Like I wasn't. I wasn't. You know, I know, but you know all the facts of that situation is what right, I'm saying. Right. So How does a sane person that's friends of ours that grew up with us go? Yeah, you know that seems like a good idea. <laughs> yeah, like that's the part. Like I can't reconcile that thing right there because it's. It, it, you know, there's other parts that was a bridge too far for me. But, <laughs> but let's let's look at let's look at America and what happened. Trump said, "I." Trump was so confident in in what he had at, in a hold on this population that he said, "I can shoot someone in the head on Fifth Street." Yeah, yeah, I know. Like first, he to say that. It should be disqualifying. But exactly. motherfucker, you just went out. You went out of bounds. You can't be president. Right. Right? So, so one, you didn't... But what he said was true. <laughs> no, no. It was absolutely true. And, and he said it in front of our faces. And I'm saying it's the same thing. So there's the thing about Nazis. Antifa was started in 1936 by, you know who? Meyer Lansky. Do you know that, Norwood? I did not know exactly now, that. Meyer Lansky in New York was asked by a Jewish judge who had always prosecuted him, hey, we got to go deal with these fucking Nazis. They were called Buff at the time. They were the American Nazi Party because we're an open democracy. And if you want to talk about Nazism and racism, freedom, the First Amendment, free speech. And they were getting a little nervous about how many Nazis there were in New York and they were gathering big crowds, 4,000, 5,000 people, right? So this judge asked Meyer Lansky to get his boys and go down there and beat the shit out of them. And that's what they did. And they broke up the Nazi party in New York City with baseball <laughs> bats and flapjacks. They went in because you're not going to... You're not going to deal with violent people any differently. I know a lot of our peace-loving people won't believe that. I'm not going to go do that, but somebody needs to go do that. The Western civilization, mankind, has been moved forward by violence. I've been hearing a lot of great leaders, especially women, black women, are really taking the lead in being the spokesperson for Black Lives Matter. 
and they'll say, you know, what do you think the Civil War was? A, a dance where everybody just protested on one side or the other? It was the bloodiest war that ever happened in America. Right. What do you think World War II was? Oh, these guys think this thing, and they have the right to think that, and we think this. No, a society, civilization has moved forward by violence. South, South Africa is the one example you can yeah. say you know, where, where it was a peaceful movement, but there was violence within that peaceful movement. Yeah. Right. And, and here's a new thing that's coming up that nobody wants to talk about how racist Gandhi was. <laughs> like, yeah. He was a racist guy. Yes. He was a bigot. <laughs> he was a bigot. I, 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 no, no. these last three weeks. How come? I don't think I want to know. I don't. You I don't, don't want to know, Chuck. You <laughs> don't want to know some of the things that Mahatma Gandhi said Can about I just Africans. You do not want to know it. <laughs> no, oh. no, you've known that your whole life. I've known it. Yes, I've known it. Kendall was Kendall was the first person that pointed it out to me back in eighty some odd something. Yeah, yeah, the statements Gandhi made about African Africans was jaw dropping, and so and Kendall's oh, who we're talking no. about that he 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 was a part of this whole conspiracy thing, and and I'm glad he's I'm glad he's uh, more whole you know whole now. But but, but so 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 here's the thing about Gandhi. So he was a racist, right? But he still did good things. It's a weird, that's the ugliness of these types of subjects. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yes, that's humanity. That is that is like, humanity. Like that is that humanity. Is humanity. It's like we are huh. flawed, we are Greek tragedies walking. I like that. <laughs> well, see, that doesn't fit there we into go. The, but Norwood, that doesn't fit into the cancel culture world we're living in. <laughs> Daryl Davis, when you know you've seen those TED talks, we talked about that before, where he befriended a KKK and uh, and just didn't give up, you know, just kept kept going, you know, and just kept talking to him and kept talking, and finally there was progress. There are some murderers and former OG guys that went to prison for twenty five years and had a spiritual awakening in prison and came out and then became leaders in their community. That's and just because there's one in ten thousand doesn't mean. And there's a you know five thousand of that, right? Well, our system, our system isn't built to reproduce that like that, right? It's actually just it's built to penalize you. Period. You know, there's people like you know like Scott Budnick and the ARC, or even Tim Robbins is doing it with the Actors Gang. Like, yeah, the Actors Gang. Insane, I've seen that. Yeah, they have insane like recidivism rates are extremely low for people going back to prison. So if you if you if you set up the system to rehabilitate people properly, which you I know you understand, then maybe you get a different result. But you know, and so and so I think ultimately where this leads and will be dead and gone is 50 years from now America is going to have an up and comings about capitalism. We're now having an up and coming about institutional racism and the role of police in our communities. And I think it is going to change. But the real, the real final frontier is economic disparity, to live with dignity. That's what I, I think everyone in, in the world deserves to live with dignity. But 
you know, in the wealthiest country in the history of civilization, though we have 50,000 homeless people on the streets of Los Angeles, is inhuman. It's inhumane. It's like yes. not right. It's and unnecessary. Huh? Yeah, it's unnecessary. Exactly. And here's the interesting thing about money and economics. It costs more money. There's more funds and more government agencies trying to help those people than just give them four grand and let them live their fucking lives. What is your fucking problem? You spend $50,000 a year trying to save them, but you give them no empowerment. And I know because I was homeless. If in when and this is I'm gonna get in a little trouble here, but I was homeless for about a year and a half. <laughs> Norwood, you and I were talking this about somebody that's an old friend of ours that was homeless. The reason why you're homeless is because I have no place to drink and take drugs the way that I want to drink and take drugs. If I'm gonna go into one of these programs, I can't drink and take drugs. I'm sorry. And and here's the thing: it's not about addiction, it's about I'm in so much pain. I'm in so much mental anguish. I can't live without drugs and alcohol. So I'll choose to live on the streets because my pain is so overwhelming and so profound. That's, that's what I think the problem is for half of the people living on the streets. They're trauma survivors. They're sexual abuse survivors. They're, they're, they have not not clinically mental illness like schizophrenia. There's a portion of that. I just think you get yourself with addiction and with trauma into a corner that the choice between a warm, safe place to sleep and no drugs and alcohol and sleeping out here on the streets with drugs and alcohol is a no-brainer. It's not even a question. I'll stay out here on the streets because I'm in so much pain, both physical, emotional, psychic, that I can't contemplate going in and, and having a safe, warm place to stay because that will be worse than me staying out here in my car. Do you know what I'm talking about, Chuck? Absolutely. So, look, I, yeah. I point to Finland and how they dealt with homelessness, right? How'd they do it? They were like, housing is a human right. Exactly, that. And we have no right to tell people what they do in their fucking homes. If yeah. they want to shoot heroin and smoke crack and drink, it's nobody's fucking business but theirs. Yes. This, so mor this morality about addiction issues and consumption issues in America is sickening. And, yeah. and the AA community does it just as much. Trust right. me, it's not just the Republican Jesus freaks. It's the AA people, too. If people want to take drugs, it's <laughs> yeah, fine. No, Chuck, I'm telling you the truth. I know. If people want to take I, drugs, it's fine with me. I want to right. hug them. I want to, I want to help them overcome what they're, what's causing their pain. But they totally have the right, and I don't feel superior to them. That right. is what's wrong with our society. Yes. I do not feel su superior to somebody who's doing drugs and drinking tonight. I don't. And unfortunately, a lot of the sober people do. And yes. that's who we're talking to on this podcast, the sober people. That's who listens to this podcast. Right. And I'm saying, find within your heart, you were that person. How can you fucking judge that person? Right, yes. Chuck? Chuck's yes. the guy who knows that, well, this shit. Well, well, this is this is this is a vital thing because, like, the idea that how many people say we'd be happy they they want to cut um, even basic family support if people don't drug test first. 
I mean, Those that's, are AA, I've heard that said in AA meetings. Uh, I, I'm I'm saying that this is this is part of the whole overall thinking that that hopefully this is there's been enough with with everybody being locked down and everything that's happening. We talked about this last week about how there's finally conversations happening that have some value and that go deeper than just you know um, making uh, you know just it's just stupid like oh. I have black friends or, oh, I have addict friends. People are actually thinking and looking and they know what it's like to, I, I'm extremely hopeful for this, for what's happening right now. I can Me see too. Some good it's things a first, coming. It's a first, Norwood, is this the first hope you've had in like 10 years? This is the first hope I've had. Yeah, like Obama as a candidate, I was hopeful. Yeah, 2008. That was 12. That was 11 years ago. That might have been exactly. a more hopeful so, time. <laughs> and, and and actually, this is more meaningful. But but look, so so Finland housing is a housing is a basic human right, and with no judgment, if you want a house, we will provide you with a house. And and then they offered treatment for alcohol, drugs, mental health services, and whatnot. And so what they found is like once you knock the judgment out, people find their way. People want to put their lives on track. Well, that's what I tell people all the time. No one wants to live the addict life. No one goes, hey, you know, you know, when you're in high school and you're talking to your high school guidance counselor or what you want your life to look like, you don't say, hey, you know what? I, I want to get on heroin as soon as I can right out of high school so that I can uh, prostitute myself and like ruin my life and never achieve anything. And then I want to kind of get arrested a bunch. I want to go in and out of jail a lot. <laughs> and then I want to uh, kind of have no meaningful relationships my entire life. Maybe I'll have a baby here or there, but I don't really want any love in my life. I want to just be feel lonely, isolated, and alone until I kill myself. That's what I'm planning on doing. What do you right. think, coach? <laughs> right? <laughs> no one wants well, that, that it, life. <laughs> it's out of pain. It's in response to the pain that you end up with that life. It's not selfishness. So and so as and and as as a as a native Los Angelino Californian, I'm like I'm ashamed of of the homelessness. California and LA has dealt with this homelessness. Like the sixth largest economy on the planet can't get this shit together. Right, exactly. And 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 here's here's an interesting thing. I saw a woman. I forget where it was. She was, you know. She was disheveled. She was probably, she looked to be in her 50s, but she was probably in her late 30s, early 40s. She was just 20 the hard way, yeah. She was She was talking to herself, and she was walking in traffic the other day, and she was screaming and, and just in another world, and she was dirty, and she was unsafe, and it was horrible. And I saw dozens of people just walk right past her, like nothing, like she didn't even exist because it's become so normal. And I thought, you know, if you saw that on the side of the road driving up the five near Bakersfield, you would stop and ask that woman what's going on. But if you see her in Los Feliz on Vermont and Hollywood Boulevard, you're just like, oh, whatever. You know, that's like that lady that it's become so normal that we can just ignore it. And it should not be ignored. 
and we should hold politicians accountable. Right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And only the, like so the 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 one phrase is housing is a human right. First. All right, I'm with that. Like let's just start. So there. let me get let me get my phrases right. Black Lives Matter. Let's let's take right. let's take some of the police's money and give it to the community. Well, not much of a catchphrase. Housing, I'm, I'm not, that's housing not is a human right. Bob, 150 million of 1.8 billion is less than one one percent. It's less than one percent. There's a reason why we are here, right? Because go back to Rodney King and what I was saying. Like, there's plenty of white people. Who look at you see that those police got let off by a, a jury that looked at this man getting beat, bludgeoned with blunt objects, and was like, "We see nothing wrong, right?" So he's struggling. He's struggling. He's scared for his life. You stupid insane. fucking white people. <laughs> <laughs> he's flinching because he's getting beat. <laughs> so, so like I, I, like, and over and over again, like these things happen, and the police get let off, and so there's, so I, I've long felt like white people have to say enough is enough. Well, that's what this is. That's what this is, right? So, but, but all along, up until, so you had the, the time before Rodney King. When nobody believed it, right? Black people are going like, we're getting our ass kicked. Nobody believed it. Like, wait, though, wait one second. Okay. I believe there was a small, <laughs> but Norwood, what brought us together? There was a small percentage of the white population in 1983 when we met, or 84, yeah. that believed you because the cops are doing the same shit to us white yeah. kids for being punk rockers. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on Black Flag shows. I, still to this day, nobody believes that the Huntington Beach police took me when I was 15 years old off my moped and beat the shit out of me with batons because yes. I was a punk rocker. Yeah, and they wanted to get punk rock out of Huntington Beach. You know what? Punk rock is. I, I still think it's in because you were Beach, writing motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think that's because you were riding a moped. I really do. <laughs> so those mopeds got to be stopped. Moped yeah, lives but, don't matter. But 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 be, because because a white fear of retaliation for slavery, Jim Crow, you know, in the whole nine, there's there's a basic fear in white people, right? Right. Well, and, most and, most white people don't even know what Jim Crow is. Most white people don't even know their history. Let's face it. Right. They're not the greatest high school students. They're too busy smoking pot and playing football. Right. So, so but, but they know that some there's some great injustice that black people should be pissed enough to reach to, to Yeah, they do understand game. that. So they they, they know. If if white people were in black people's position, they would never forgive, and they would be raging full on. We they would never be unrelenting from. It would never end, right? But what do you have? Dylan Roof goes and kills people, and the, the families of the survivors go, "We forgive him." Right. Every time these black families go, "We forgive these people," 
right? Right. Like every time. And so there's something that white people are missing. Like black people actually don't, like black people don't want to raise up and raise hell. They just, like, can we just be civil? Get along, as Rodney yeah. King said. It's like, that's, that's I, I, all this really, like, it happens over and over again. So you look at these patterns of, you know, every, like, black people, the, the, the closest people to, to these, these murder victims are all, every single time, no one ever said, I want justice. Everybody take to the street. Burn this motherfucker down. Yeah, nobody happened. ever nobody ever says that. Hey, did you see the video of the of the black mom and her six-year-old daughter walking through the park and a cop approached them and the girl put her hands up? Did you see that? Oh no, no. It's I did not. so it'll break your heart that little six-year-old black girls are so scared of the police that when they're walking towards them on a sunny day in a park, they get scared and put their hands up in the air. America should be ashamed of its history and make it better and do it right and make things more equal and more just under the law. And that's what's happening now. You got to this is America. You know, this is America in 2020. Norwood said something so powerful because I think that that is that is the great white fear is that white people are going to be treated like black people have been, and they're afraid that 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 by giving people a level playing field somehow they're going to be on the other side of this, and they're scared to be treated the way they've treated people. That for so long with impunity, like like a spoiled brat rich kid being able to do whatever he wants and the fear that it's going to flip. And I, I can tell you that everybody I've talked to that they just they just want to just want to live and be happy, be be free to not be. And it's it's so huge. And they're, they're not yeah, asking but our, for anything. Free, white people's free to be happy is like. You know, you, you the the white privilege we've we've been in a part of our since our birth is different than entitlement. You can be murdered anytime by the police if you're black in America. That's what this is about. I understand. Yes. I understand it. It's and not, that's what it's, white it's people a, are afraid of. They're afraid that that's going to happen. That that will be their fate. I think if there's a level playing field, if they keep back in the the blue and, and wall, I don't see that will be their That's fate. an irrational. You know, you know, if you can, if you can imagine Bob and Chuck, as I'm talking to you, if you can, if you can imagine for one second, the horror of just uh, driving your car and when the police lights go on behind you, having to tell your kids, okay, this is how you have to act. Okay. Because we're being pulled over. Imagine that. I was a hundred percent institutionalized. Right. Right. My first encounter with the police was like, the police harassing me was 11 years old, you know? Right. Like, what the fuck? I'm an 11-year-old kid. Ain't, ain't, ain't hardly no gang in my neighborhood, but they fucking with me. There was, eventually was a fucking insane gang in my neighborhood. But the, the first time a police officer, like, like me and my friends, like a, a good portion of original Fishbone and just some dudes, like my my friends from my neighborhood were walking to the Culver Theater to go to the movies. 
You know, it might have been eight or nine of us, but we're all under 13, right? Right. And the police stop us. They like, you know, want to frisk us. And the cop is frisking me and he fucking touched my balls and I jumped. And oh. he's like, oh, he's like, oh, you don't like that, huh? And then he gripped my ass. Oh my God. And he's fucking antagonizing me. He's like, oh, yeah. They start gripping my ass and shit. And then he's like, you want to bet you want to fight now? Like, I'm like, I'm a fucking little kid. Oh, my God. That's a Culver, that's a wonderful Culver City Police yes. Department. You know, what, yes. so how old are you, Norwood? 58, 57? No, I'll, I'll be 55 in September. 55. So you're four years younger than me. So... When you were 13, because I went to St. Augustine School right there across from the Culver Theater. I was there in my <laughs> Catholic school uniform, little white body. Right. In a, like, I don't know what they're talking about, these police. The police are nice to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? It started there. Right. And we were, we were contemplating, like, the word on the streets was there was a Culver City clan, and a lot of the cops were a part of it. Wow. Which, oh, I'm sure. I didn't, yeah, I didn't know for sure until much later it actually came out that was a real thing. I'm sure. You yeah, know? Culver City at that time in 70, what, how old would I have been? I was 15. In 76, Culver City was a very white society. I would say 99% white. Right. Right. And, and you go historically in Los Angeles, you just, how did they keep this community? completely white do you know that compton used to be completely white in the yeah. 50s compton yeah no blacks were allowed to buy homes in compton right inglewood right. is where i grew up it was all white right how did right. these it within a civil society that has equality for all post-civil rights movement in the mid-1970s how do neighborhoods in southern california remain completely 99 percent white They'll let. I remember when Ray Charles moved into our neighborhood. It was like, oh yeah, Ray Charles can live here. <laughs> like, in Baldwin Hills, right. right? Everybody was so excited that Ray Charles had moved into the neighborhood, right? If you're a yeah. celebrity, so so but so but it's it's the same it's the same thought process, but now it's on the table and we're looking at it. So right. before it was it was underground and only talked about obviously behind closed doors and civil people didn't speak out loud but it's, it was a, a widely held belief system and now we just get to see who the maggots are we get to see who's i know and the question they're, is they're the maggots, so it's, what do you do with the maggots and i say they need to go back under the rocks we reform the people that are in that want to be enlightened about white privilege who want to be supportive of the black lives move uh, matter movement and but there is a huge swath of millions of Americans who are not going to buy into reform, who are not going to want to be a part of this, just as they were not a part of the civil rights movement, just as they were not a part of, of, of uh, every great movement, the suffragette movement, the end of slavery. And what do you do with those people? Because those are the voting block that Trump has locked up. I hate to tell right, you. Right. And, 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 and I, like, honestly, like, like I don't know, because like it's like this. White supremacy itself is a sickness, right? Imagine, it is. Imagine that the world's a level playing field at one, and 
somebody all of a sudden goes like, I'm better than everybody and begins to enact all manner of action to, <laughs> to, 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 to raise himself above the rest of the well, well, how about the just I've been I've always felt like I have to educate white ignorant people about race, right? Because I'm white. So a kid will tell me, you know, you know, we're the leaders of the society. I go, actually, you know, the cradle of civilization comes from Africa. So you're wrong there. It's not like the Nordics didn't invent humanity. Africa did. It came out of Africa. Right. Just right then, they just their minds are blown. They can't accept it. They can't accept that the cradle of civilization and humanity comes out of Africa. So what do they do? They invent stories and 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 conspiracies and lies that they believe because they can't accept science, because they can't accept facts that make them equal. They have to feel superior. Yes. Out of fear. Nowadays, you say, you know, a third of the world, you know, back in the 9-11 days, I would always say, you know, a third of the world is Muslim. It's actually, there's more Muslims on the planet than there are Christians. No fucking way. That's not fucking true. Right. I say, you know, <laughs> you haven't left California in a while, buddy. <laughs> like, you haven't been to Indonesia. You haven't been. <laughs> like, right. to, I, you guys have too much hope. I got hope that we can get to a better society. I don't have hope that we can get to a perfect society. No, There's no, always no. going to be racism. There's always going to be this uneducated, kind of ignorant, hateful, traumatized part of the society. And I preferred it. I'm just saying my preference was that they'd be stuffed under rocks. Well, they are, absolutely. But look, we got here because... They were shamed under a rock starting in the, in, at some point in the, in the 70s. 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 All right. Yes. Like, I, I think about All in the Family. Archie right. Bunker. I believe that Archie Bunker's character, the character Archie Bunker, was effective and began to shame people into silence. Right? Culture overall shamed people into silence. So... And and there's something about political correctness that 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 actually doesn't work. Like we have to be able to have convers difficult conversations to get to solutions. Because that is, is a part of why we got here. As soon as Donald Trump showed up, fucking a bunch of white people went, I can say what I want, I can do what I want. Like they let it out. What had been right. stuffed down for decades. You didn't prefer it when it was stuffed down. <laughs> Actually, it felt it felt good. But if people are going around with this as an underlying thing, it's volatile. You know what? One thing that's happened with me because of my association with you and, and Fishbone and music and the Chili Peppers was I'm always the identified white person that's on the black people's side. So white people don't really say the things in front of me that they say amongst themselves. You understand? So a lot, there's a lot of white people like me that were trapped in the middle. Like we're not, we're not privy to their racism. Like, I, you know, People are scared to say racist shit in front of me. That's why there's the new tech that I like, and that is that it's not enough to not be racist. You have to be verbally anti-racist. Anti-racist. And right. to allow instead of instead of um, 
you know, just walking away or saying, man, that's not my thing. You got to say, what are you ignorant or something? You have, you have to have a comp, you have to have a way of responding so that it's not okay because silence is complicity. Well, there's so, this, there's these interesting things that Norwood just said, what made me think of political correctness and these tough conversations. I, I, you know, for four years had a black girlfriend and we lived together and, and, and even within that relationship, we had some tough conversations, right? Right. Like, and Bill Burr, his wife is black and he talks about it in his comedy. Like there's some times when you're on the couch, Bill Burr has this funny bit in one of his standups where, where he's seeing something from the white privileged perspective and his wife is seeing something from the black perspective in the same house. You're married, you got kids and you're like, Holy fuck, this thing runs deep. Do you understand what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. This shit runs deep racism and, and white privilege in America. Yeah, because yeah, and, and so there's people who are obviously in denial of, of it. And and look, so let me say this. There's so one, there there's a disconnect with empathy, right? A complete right. total disconnect with empathy with that, that comes with white supremacy that is baked into the racist system of the country. Not, not just like the dude with a KKK hood, it's, it's, it is baked in. And that is what enables a population of, of white people to see black people get shot and go into a jewelry room and let the perpetrator off. Fucking Trayvon Martin, right? I know. That was unbelievable. Zimmerman got got the fuck up. So there's a, there's a disconnect with empathy. I want to talk to you about this reforming racist. Zimmerman signs Skittles bags and sells them on eBay because Trayvon Martin loves Skittles. How do you reform someone like that, Norwood? Yeah, I might want to kill him, but... <laughs> 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 well, that's what I'm there, talking there, about. Like, it's, it's, like, I might have to fuck that motherfucker up. <laughs> like, you know, like, I'm like, okay, so look, I'm not the, personally the racist reformer, right? Like, that, right. I'm, I'm not that guy. But I do believe in the power of the conversation. <laughs> the conversations are important. I just think that that says everything about Zimmerman's character. He's been socially ostracized. He can't find a job. So what does he do? He signs Skittles. And what kind of person, Chuck, Mike, ask yourself this. What kind of white person wants to buy a Skittles thing signed by a murderer of a black child? So we got a long ways to go, but I'm hopeful. A lot of the reason why nobody wants to talk about this stuff is because it's just so appalling. It's so like I don't want I don't want to. It's talk so about ugly. It, you know I mean, it makes me so sick that I don't want to discuss it, man. I just want to make it go away. You know what I mean? I don't I don't want it to. There's a moment. There's a moment in the Chappelle special where he reiterates the 8:46 on this guy's neck. And he's so angry and it's so real. And we need to keep talking about it, not turn away from how ugly what it looks like for a black jogger to be killed by two white, white racist people in trucks. How ugly it looks like for a black man to be shot in the back in a Wendy's parking lot. How ugly it looked like for eight minutes and 46 seconds to watch a white guy with his hands in his pockets 
killing a man in broad daylight in front of dozens of people. It's so ugly, but we have to look at it. Yep, we have to look at it. And 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 we we do have like yeah, not that not everybody can come over people will die holding their holding on to the white superiority but something I was I'm saying is white supremacy has to be distinguished as an illness right right I think I think it is I think it's, it's illness it, we gotta get it in the DSM job we gotta get it in all you have to do is look at the guys that are claiming it, and it disproves the theory. 90% of the time, I mean, all I have to do is hear somebody, I, you just hear somebody, somebody start talking, and I go, that is not, that is not the voice of reason. That is not the voice of intelligence or love or anything that I hold that, that tells me that somebody's, you know, when I, when I look at people, when I think someone's good or is better than me, it's not there's not hate involved. It's because of what they're doing in the world that's good. Right. So it, there's a, there is a sickness, and it and it's ingrained, and it's been ingrained. And I I I remember the Trayvon Martin thing and feeling like fuck, guys, you couldn't get this one right. I'll say this. I thought, and I'll begin at the end of the way we began it. When I met Norwood, and we became best buddies, and we lived together. And what I learned from our friendship over the last 35 years, I've been hopeful. I've been, na- I've been reminded of how naive I am about race in America. I've been, I've been disappointed. I've been self-righteous. I've been so many feelings about the black issues in America. And this is the culmination of all that, this moment. Yeah. Because I'm cynical at this point. And I told my wife, Oh, it'll die down in a week. It always does. How about that, Norwood? I said that. I said that two weeks ago because I'm so I have no faith in America anymore. And all of a sudden I have a little bit of faith in America. Yes, the faith in the youth that are taking control of their own future. I began to look at like like we failed the youth, you know? Nelson Mandela was the last time. There was a gigantic movement that brought down something that was really like painful, right? Right. Apartheid fucking failed. And that was a long time ago. So, like, my daughter is 19, Fisher's daughters are 19 and 17. Right. And when I spoke to them, like, they had no hope because there was no example of anything effective. And if Nelson Mandela was the last time a major seismic shift happened, I'm like, we failed them. And so did the girls have hope? My youngest niece went out and protested by herself. She went and she just graduated. Power to the people everybody sing, as Public Enemy says. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to see what happens. It's It's always... The American nightmare, air conditioned nightmare, is a constant evolution. And a lot of times we go dormant and we get lost. But I think we, I think this is, this is as great a time as I felt in the late 80s. Like, I, like I want a better world because if, if I make it to 80, 90, please, I don't want to be walking the streets afraid, you know? Jeez. <laughs> 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 That's it. God. 
I, I really appreciate you coming on here and being honest. And, and it, it's given me a lot to think about, too. I like, I like learning. Yeah, thanks, man. I love you, Norwood. I love you, brother, man. Love you, my brother.